0: Welcome to Boost Power Podcast, inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Hello, and welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma, and today is the first day of the rest of your life. So let's fill it with stories of amazing women that have some tips and tricks for you along your path. Today, we're so lucky to have an athlete, a motivational speaker, and inspiration to all of us, Brittany Corey. Welcome to Boost Power Podcast.
1: Hi, Betsy. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and share my story and
0: get it out to the world. Oh, Brittany, it was so fun. So I got a phone call about Brittany. So this all started because a friend, Sherry, from the Olympic Committee called me and said, I have one for you. And I said, what? And she said, I have one for you. I have an athlete that I really think would be great for you to mentor and get to know. And she's doing wonderful things in the world. I'd like you to meet Brittany Corey. And that was the first time we met, gosh, a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, it was a couple years ago. And uh, just being involved with camp, and now I have all these sisters that I never had. You know, I have one biological sister, but now I have all these sisters all around the world sending support and love my way. It's just crazy how one phone call can change the trajectory of where you're going.
0: Well, so. that was a great phone call for us, too, because we had you come speak at the Camp Experience Fall Retreat. And, and my great story about Brittany, as you could tell, she was an Olympic athlete because she was very coachable. And so I got this call like a week before my show, and I had no time for her to speak, no place for her to speak. So I said, okay, here's how it's got to work. You got to go fast, you got to do this, you got to do that. And she was just so gracious and um, fit right in. Yeah, it was
1: really nice. It was really nice to get involved and to see everybody and even just to be able to share my story in that small amount of time. It got the point across, and it opened a lot of doors for the next year, and now it's continuing to open doors. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, so we're going to go back a little bit. So um, tell everybody, so I I don't want to say all your awards and recognition incorrectly because I happen to have the big box of Oliver medals at my home right now, and it's so full, it's overflowing. So would you tell a little bit about what you have achieved in sport and exactly what part of sport you compete in? So I
1: compete in Paralympic
0: snowboarding. We have border cross, which is, it's
1: got jumps and turns and berms. There's four girls on the course at one time. It's kind of like Demolition Derby. It's a fan favorite. And first ones to cross the finish line, they either advance heats or it's, It's the winners. And then we also compete in banked slalom, which is like a traditional ski slalom, except our gates are up in berms. They can be upwards of 15 feet. And so we're riding these berms up to catch the gates and getting momentum as we go down. Sometimes there will be rollers or jumps um, in the course. And with that, I've had a lot of international success, a lot of World Cup medals, finishes, a lot of silvers and bronzes. Um, I won a silver at the Paralympic Games in 2018 in Korea, and that was definitely the highlight of my career. And so now I'm training for Beijing in 2022, and I'm hoping to upgrade that medal to a gold.
0: So. Wow. In Pyeongchang, in Pyeongchang. <laughs> I love that. I love to say Pyeongchang. I love that it's on one of my t-shirts I got from you, Pyeongchang. Um, so you said, and not everyone knows your story, you're a Paralympic athlete. So you need to tell everyone kind of what that means. Okay. So a Paralympic athlete is somebody that has a type of disability,
1: I hate that word, but somebody whose ability is less than a normal person or we call you guys able bodied And so I'm a right below the knee amputee. So I chose to have my leg amputated below the knee in 2011.
0: What, 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 Everybody's (laughs) like, hey, wait, wait a minute. I just heard the words, I chose to have my leg amputated below the knee. Okay, so tell them all a little bit more about that backstory. Okay,
1: so for me, snowboarding, I was kind of a rebel kid. You know, I was kind of lost in the world. I was wild when I was young. I was raised on a farm and homeschooled. I had a dirt bike, and so I spent most of my time on that dirt bike or feeding and taking care of animals. And so I just loved the independence of being out on a dirt bike in New Mexico, you know, seeing the views and, you know, laying it over every once in a while with road rash and matted hair because <laughs> the wind blowing in it. But um, I had a lot of emotional turmoil in my teenage years. I had a lot of things going on. And I found snowboarding, and snowboarding was my place I could go, and I could just feel free. When I put a snowboard on my feet, uh, it just, it was this sense of calmness and peace that I had, didn't have in my life. And so I became addicted to snowboarding at that point. And I just, I needed to get up there as much as I could. And I ended up having an injury when I was 17. I had two big of boots on and I took a tumble down the hill and gravity and G-forces tried to pull my foot out of the boot and it only made it halfway Uh, I went home, didn't tell anybody, went to the ER, gave me crutches, and I counted down the days until I could be back on snow. Even though my ankle hurt, I didn't care. I just needed to be out on snow, snowboarding. And so that decision, three or four years after my initial injury ended up causing my ankle to be so big I could no longer fit it in a snowboard boot.
0: Wow, and so what about, so people are trying to track the timing. What years were this, you know, what year did you have your kind of initial injury and, and it got bad? So I had my
1: initial injury Christmas Eve in 2004. Okay. And I saw the first doctor after my injury when I was 21, so that would have been 2007, the beginning of the summer. And that's when I had my first surgery. Um, They did that surgery, by the end of the summer, my ankle looked the same, it felt the same, and they had told me they were going to fuse my ankle. And at that point, I said, nope, not going to happen, I don't want to fuse my ankle. And so I did what any rebel kid would do, and I moved to Mammoth, California, because I was big into jumps. I really loved jumping and half-pipe, boxes, rails, all of that stuff. And Mammoth, California had the biggest parks, the biggest jumps, and the best half-pipe. And so I moved there. I worked for a boot fitting company, and they ended up shaving out the inside of my boot so my ankle would fit in there.
0: Oh, wow. So you and your bad ankle Mm -hmm. moved to California Mm -hmm. so you could do more of what was bad for your ankle, Mm -hmm. which was just all the craziest snowboarding you could do. Mm -hmm. And this is when you would still be considered able-bodied because you had, even though it was a bad ankle, you still had your ankle.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it hurt. A lot of people are like, oh, weren't you in pain? And I was like, I was in tons of pain, but I didn't care because snowboarding was the place where I had peace. So it was this pendulum, like I could have pain, but I could have peace at the same time. And so, yeah, I got 110 days on snow that season and ended up completely trashing my ankle at the same time.
0: Okay, and congratulations. <laughs> and as a mom, that would just be a great thing for your daughter to do. Totally trashing your ankle. Mm-hmm. So continuing to s- ski or snowboard actually on that bad ankle mm-hmm. got you to kind of a big choice point in your life. So what happened and whatever caused you to make the choice uh, to, to be done with it? So, yeah, after that season, I knew my my ankle
1: was so bad, and so I saw an ankle specialist in Golden, Colorado, Dr. Desai, and from the first time I saw him, I said, they want to diffuse my ankle in Durango, and he said, that's not an option. He's like, a fusion is for a 70-year-old that just wants to move their water on their grass. You're too active for that. We're going to get your ankle back, and we're going to get you going. So I was excited because I found somebody that was on the same page as me, and I saw him in 2007 or 2008 and that's when a string of surgeries began. So I had eight ankle surgeries with Dr. Desai from 2008 until
0: 2011. Wow, wow and that's pretty intense and of course you were probably slowing down a little bit, relaxing between those. Yeah, I was forced into relaxation. I was going to say, that's not easy for you. <laughs> so you took that easy. But then through all this, tell us about the decision you made.
1: Yeah, so I was on crutches for almost three years straight. And I felt like an animal. You know, I, I look at the animals at the zoo and I have such empathy for them because that's what I felt like. I felt like I had this freedom and then I was put in this cage. And I got to watch all the other animals out there or other people out there enjoying their lives while I was stuck on crutches. And towards the end of my surgeries, my ankle was so bad. It was huge. It was malformed. We called it a Frankel because it looked like Frankenstein because I had had so many stitches. And I started looking at other options because I knew fusion was going to be what the what Dr. Desai was going to do. And I I looked and YouTubed a guy downhill mountain biking with a prosthetic. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to be active. I'm so tired of being what I call that's when I was disabled. And so I saw my doctor in May of 2011, May 7th, and he had told me that my ankle was like putting a square peg into a round hole. And he told me he was gonna fuse my ankle. And I said, no, we're not. I said, that's messed up. I said, Dr. Desai, I said, I came here three years ago and you said you were gonna get me back on snow. I said, you're giving up now and I'm not willing to do that. And at that time he asked me what I wanted to do and I said, I wanna amputate, I wanna be active.
0: Wow, and many people listening are like, wow, that would be the hardest uh, ever decision. However, it really was what brought you freedom and the freedom to really be the agile superhuman that you are today that I know very well. Yeah, it, it it was my out, it was my way to be active. Well, we are listening to Brittany Corey and just the beginning of her amazing story. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Wiersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. Welcome back to Boost Power Podcast. I know you can't even stand it. So now we have her ankle amputated, and you're like, how do you go from that to a gold medal or a silver medal? Sorry, I was predicting the future. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I'm oh, predicting yeah. <laughs> the gold, the silver medal. Um, so just tell us a little bit about your path then from um, becoming an athlete again. So yeah, after amputation, I
1: took a hiatus from snowboarding. My decision was really hard on my family, and I didn't want to put them through any more trauma because it was tough for them. And so I kind of did a new path. Um, My nurses were incredible. So I pursued nursing school, and I graduated in 2016 in May. But in the meantime, I had watched the Paralympic Games in Sochi, snowboarding in particular, and I was like, I know I could do that. And so snowboarding was always in the back of my mind. And at this point, I was 30 years old. I graduated from nursing school. I was a supervisor of a clinic. But I knew if I didn't do one race, I was always going to live my life with regret. And so I said, all right, we're going to do one race. And if it goes well, this is something we may pursue. And if it doesn't, then at least I tried it and I can live the rest of my life in peace knowing that I at least gave it a chance.
0: Right. Got back on the snow. Mm -hmm. And the race
1: was? So the race was called Tour, which is a pretty big event in the snowboard industry. And I was only 12 days on snow as an amputee when I did my first race. And I ended up finishing second to last. And in the history of sport, I think that was the most celebrated second to last finish ever, because I was just so excited to be back on snow. And at this event, I was able to meet other amputees. I, I hadn't met anybody else that had a missing limb or a missing arm. Or, and so it was really cool to be surrounded with other people, with other stories. And they all love snowboarding, just like I did. So we all had two things in common. It was pretty cool.
0: Wow. And then that started you down this road where you were discovered. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so the U.S. coaches were there, and they
1: were kind of blown away that I had only been on snow 14 days at that time and told me they wanted to see me at other races. And I had a good finish in Tahoe, which was later in the year. And that got me an invite to the test event in Korea. And so my supervisor gave me the time off and said, you have to go. And so I remember in Pyeongchang at the test event, standing in the start gate, looking at the course and telling myself, oh, man, you've got yourself in a a situation here because this is a (laughs) good course. And, you know, I had never, I had all these butterflies and was super nervous, but I ended up dropping in, and the U.S. coaches had told me if I finished fourth in border cross and bank slalom, they'd bring me on the U.S. team. And at that event, I ended up finishing last in border cross and bank slalom. But later in April, they ended up bringing me on the team on coaches discretion because they saw something in me and in my riding that they knew they could grow. They said possibly
0: for Pyeongchang, but they were more looking
1: at Beijing.
0: Oh, gosh. And the story is so good because you went on to, you know, continue with that break, but really a break because they saw the talent, they saw your drive, your enthusiasm, your joy that just oozes from everything you do. And then you went on to Pyeongchang and did pretty darn well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was the best three runs of
1: my life. You know, before I went to the venue, I just prayed, you know, wherever I'm supposed to finish to do the most good in the world, let me finish there. If it's last and I have to be the biggest cheerleader at the bottom, just let me do it and let me be the best cheerleader there is. And that day, I just I had this sense of peace and calmness that I still haven't had since when I've raced. And, you know, I, my first run was a minute five. My second run was a minute flat. My third run was 59 seconds. So in three runs, I ended up shaving all that time off, and I ended up winning by, I believe, four-tenths of a second.
0: Wow, wow. Well, it's an amazing story, and there's so many things you can learn about life. Just by that, by that um, perseverance, by the vision, by being still and listening, and having that peace uh, to be on purpose for where you are. Mm-hmm. Well, as people are listening, you know, what would you tell them that you have learned along your path as you know in the business of sport? Because mm-hmm. it's not only just you know working out and working hard. There's so many pieces to sport and fundraising, um, building your brand, your image, your new books coming out. What would you tell people listening today that you've learned? I think it's just trust the
1: journey, you know, know that you're here for a reason. And for me, my reason is beyond me. Like my my goal is to in, if I can impact one person's life in a positive way, then all of this was worth it. And just having, you know, faith and trusting in, in other people, you know, like at the camp experience this last year, you had us write down one word and my word was received because a lot of times I'm I'm not open to let other people help me. I'm like I can do this. I can work hard. And just by submitting to that and putting my ego aside and allowing myself to receive from other people, I've had a tremendous amount of support just since the camp. I mean, like you said, I have I have a book coming out, which is super exciting. I I had a huge keynote with Adobe. I've had camp sisters praying for me and going for me, taking photos of me. I mean, it's just been incredible when you just put that out there, what you what your needs are, and allowing somebody to come in and
0: help you. Well, and it's really a two-way street. We call it Brittany Nation. And we're just putting together people that just care. And it's so much fun for us to get behind the real deal. You know, somebody who is just absolutely on fire to represent our country to do that with style, to do the work it takes to really do that because, you know, behind the scenes of a Olympic athlete, I got to tell you, I see it in you, you know, it's a lot of work. Um, and then just to have the drive though, beyond the athletics to taking care of the world and helping the world. So tell us a little bit more about some of your passions that the sport is giving you kind of a platform to do.
1: Well, one of my biggest passions, you know, I have two nieces and a nephew and i you know, if they chase their dream, no matter what it is, and I was a tiny part in that, my heart will be full. And for the next generation too, I've I've had opportunities to speak at schools and just talk to kids about your path. Just because you've had hard things or horrible things happen, those things are preparing you for what's coming next. Like looking back on my life as a rebellious teenager that didn't know how to handle emotion and distraught and all of these negative things that were happening, I turned to snowboarding and you know snowboarding is what caused me to lose a leg but with that it caused me to become a nurse and now I'm a Paralympic silver medalist and that's something that can never be taken away and so I just just to be able to talk to kids and just let them know that you know this is temporary whatever you're going through but it's also giving you tools to help prepare you for what's coming next
0: right that's that is so great when i see that in you as a mom because i can't tell my daughter anything surprise all you parents of teenagers out there, but you can, Mm -hmm. and you as an athlete and you as doing something cool in the world, I think is really a platform to speak into the kids. And then the other thing I love that you're doing is really giving a hand up to other women to really think about snowboarding as a sport and also, you know, really mentoring some of these athletes. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So
1: my biggest goal now is I want to be a part of whoever's going to take my spot on the team. Because I have an expiration date as an athlete, but if I can, if I can be what the coaches were for me for somebody else, then my legacy is going to live on through them. And if I can stand on a podium next to another teammate wearing the red, white, and blue in Beijing, like that to me is going to be a huge success. And so I've been given the opportunity to attend adaptive um, camps. Just to be a mentor and to help other people. And, you know, as a Paralympic athlete, they bring you in thinking that you're going to give to all of these people at this camp. And I end up going away with my heart just so full just from having the opportunity to surround myself and share my passion with other people.
0: Well, it's so fun to be around you. And, again, um, Brittany Nation is something that's in formation right now as the new book is launching, the new website's launching. Uh, I know you have some great representation with the Momentum Group Mm -hmm. um, to really help you get out as an athlete as you're in this great process heading to the next games. How do people find you and follow you, Brittany? Because I know they're all thinking, like, I want a piece of that. I want to be part of the Brittany Nation.
1: Yes, let's follow Brittany Nation. So I'm on Instagram, uh, Brittany Corey. It's just my First and last name, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-C-O-U-R-Y. I'm Brittany Corey on Instagram and Facebook. Those are my two biggest social media platforms that I'm on. I'm also on LinkedIn and then
0: just everywhere else in the world. Everywhere
1: else, yeah. You can connect to me through the social media or like Betsy said, I've got a website that's going to be up and running. It'll be BrittanyCorey.com. And like she said, through the Momentum group, if you'd like to contact me through Jim or Betsy, um, that's a great way to get a hold of me as well.
0: Well, we are so happy to have you as one of our sisters. And it's just been a fun ride so far to use a little snowboard term. (laughs) Um, And it's just going to be better and better as we head toward the games, but also in the process. Um, I know you did a fantastic job with Adobe. You're available for corporate gigs to do speaking, inspirational speaking to um, just come in and really share your story about really hard work and triumph and teamwork and all the things that corporations need to hear. And it's fun to hear it from an athlete and I know you show off and let people see your medals and that's really fun. So um, everyone think about how Brittany Corey can be part of your world and how she can help you. And then we always end our show by doing something fun. We draw a random card from the dream big live big deck. And then we just talk about whatever the issue is. So what is the question on your card?
1: This is appropriate. List the things you are wild about.
0: (laughs) Okay, you have the stay wild card. What are you wild about, Brittany?
1: I'm wild about snowboarding, obviously. I'm wild about impacting other people. I'm wild about gratitude for everybody that's got me to this point in my life. And just, I'm wild about life. Like, I I love what I'm doing. I love the path that I've been placed on, and... Hopefully I'm doing God's work and I'm a light out into the world showing, you know, what a female is able to do. I'm also wild about pushing our sport to be better than it is now. And so I think that's just a couple things I'm wild about. Just a few
0: few great things. Well, as anyone who's been listening to this can say, this is a real deal. Um, Brittany is really out in the world doing some amazing things and leading us all onto our best sport of whatever our sport is in our life and our being and who we can be in the world to help others. So please um, find Brittany Corey, start to follow her. If you do, you'll probably bump into me because I'm here helping to lead this Brittany nation. And we're just so thankful to have you on the show today. You've been listening to Boost Power Podcast because today is the first day of the rest of your life. And there's some really good tips from Brittany in here to help you make it great. Please share this podcast with your friends and other people that might just want to hear Brittany's amazing story and also might want to just be uplifted with what is possible. This is your host, Betsy Wiersma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging into stories from the journey of business and life. Our music today is by singer-songwriter Megan Burt. We are recorded at Cinder Sound Studios and we're part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Learn more at globalsisterhoodpodcastnetwork.com.